In the early months of the pandemic, despite the disruption to retail and its supply chains in many parts of the world, sales of certain items soared. Among them were, perhaps unsurprisingly, running shoes, as gyms were shuttered and going for a jog was one of the most accessible ways of maintaining some level of physical activity while many of us were being urged to stay at home. It was at this same time that three friends based in Amsterdam, each with successful careers for multinational sports clothing firms, including Nike, Adidas and Puma, identified a gap in the market for a high-caliber running shoe suitable for novice and experienced runners alike, made from natural materials. Zen Running Club was born under the brand's tagline, Made from Good Decisions. And among those good decisions are the plant-based materials the shoe is made from, from sugarcane and eucalyptus fibres as well as natural rubber, making it among the first vegan-approved sports shoes on the market. And the sales of athletic shoes continue to rise and are projected to do so for the next five years. So how can smaller newcomers to the sector claim a piece of that market? And is our appetite as consumers to know how, where and with what the garments we wear are made likely to shift our appetites for the kinds of shoes we slip on before heading out on a run? You're listening to The Entrepreneurs with me, Thomas Lewis, here in Toronto. Today, we hear from two members of the Zen Running Club team, co-founder Dominic Sinnott and head of brand Nina Ziewitz, who spoke to me from their respective corners of Berlin. And it's Dominic that begins the story for us on how the idea for Zen Running Club came to be. It started around May 2020. So it was when we were all locked down and all considering what our futures were going to be and what our present was. I was working as a consultant, running a brand design agency, working for big brand uh, sports and fashion clients. And it was time to think because all the briefs and all the budgets from everyone dried up. So there was a chance to sort of reflect on what I really wanted to do and, and everything else. A friend of mine that I'd worked with on and off over the last 20 years was in a similar position. And we kind of just threw some ideas around. He hooked up with someone else who was from the development side of running shoe business. And it kind of just sort of fell out of that, I guess. It was very interesting because when the guys started, I wasn't involved, but I knew about it and I still had a job. And it was such a weird time that I I just thought, I can't quit my job right now. I don't know what, what's going to happen. And first I thought it's over within three weeks, but then it's been longer and longer. But Dom and I, we met and we talked about it. So I feel like I'm, I'm with the brand for a very long time, much longer than I, when I really finally quit my job. But it was so interesting coming from the sports industry and being a runner myself to find an option that makes a difference. And there was no option. It was either not a good performance shoe or not a good looking shoe. And being a very active person and doing sports and working in the sports industry, you just have to do it yourself then to find your best product. I was the creative director of a very big fashion, global fashion brand. And then I just like quit and then it was another six months where I wasn't allowed to work and then non-compete. So it was, I had quite a lot of time for Zen on the side. It's so interesting because you think so much about what you eat and what you consume, but then nobody asks the question is what's your shoe made of or what's your shorts made of, like performance apparel. And now when we talk to people, we talk to kids a few months ago and they say, yeah, but what's my shoe made of? And you say plastic. 
And it's very surprising, but it's like the same with eating meat. You say, oh, this is from animals and this is not. It's basically the same thing, but the awareness is not or wasn't there yet because I mean, we, we, we both worked in this gigantic corporation and you, you just can't change a thing. And then there's a new product after a new product and it's very fast and you keep on liking them and they are good. They're good products, but you need, maybe the time was just right. A lot of people were thinking about it, I think. Not only for running, for a lot of things. We just then have to be brave and bold to, to do it. From the perspective of of working in the industry, you see the sort of the things you'd like to change, but you're, you're a small part of such a big machine that you're not really able to do it. And, you know, as a running all my life and being obsessed with running shoes, track bikes, sneakers, and every element of branding and detail to actually have a chance to sort of set up a running brand of our own was, you know, like a dream come true. So this kind of COVID break gave that time where you thought, why not? We can actually give this a go because we're just waiting around for the world to start up again. So it was a really great chance. And you've both mentioned there how, how difficult it is to change the way bigger corporations, bigger firms make their products. It would be great to discuss why you think that is in a moment. But before that, perhaps you can dissect the shoe you've created for us, the design, the materials, how you've answered the demands that the architecture of a running shoe presents in the product that you've made. Our first shoe is called the ZR01. The starting point for the shoe, we're looking at sort of your average runner, not saying anybody's average, but your average runner that wants a, a nice cushioned shoe. It's sort of, we've said from the most casual to the most dedicated runners can enjoy a shoe because it's, it's like something like a BMW 3 Series. It's a premium, well-made product that sort of everybody can enjoy. You can go faster and you can go slower and you can enjoy the benefits of it. So this was our starting point with the first shoe. Our idea was that sort of straight off, if you're going to start a new a new brand, if you're starting a new car company now, you wouldn't be debating whether it was going to have petrol engines, diesel engines. You'd be saying electric vehicle or beyond. So we were starting just taking it for granted that this thing was going to be made with sustainability in mind. And the ultimate dream of it was a shoe that could be made of plants, which when it's had its useful life, when it's totally worn and been loved and run many, many miles, you can dig a hole in the garden and put it in there with onion peeling and bits of carrots and you can compost it. We're not quite there, as is nobody else, but we believe we're further to being there than anyone has been so far. With the shoes, it's like baking a cake. You sort of take ingredients and, for example, the midsole on our shoe, so the the soft white midsole, the, the sponge beneath the foam beneath your foot, this from us is made predominantly of sugarcane. So it's got up to 75% sugarcane. But you can't, at the moment, technology won't allow you to make that fully from plant tech. It's just not possible because it would have some properties that a running shoe needs to deliver, but it would have other properties, specifically with durability and what have you, that that can't be attained purely from plants at this point. But as you see with all technology, there's leaps forward. And before you know it, we believe we can be at that point where that can be achieved. So if we break the shoe down, the upper on the shoe, it looks like a knitted woven nylon shoe, like a, a standard running shoe. So it has all the tech and performance capabilities of, of what's available from oil-based materials, but it's uh, made from eucalyptus tree fibers. From the tree fibers, they melt down and create a pulp, which is very much what you do with any plastic process. And from the pulp, they make what are effectively nylon fibers. And then these nylon fibers are then knitted and the beauty of it is it's digitally knitted. So you're not creating a piece of fabric where you're cutting a shape out and then discarding the offcuts. 
you're using exactly the thread you need to use for that exact piece of upper material. So it's digitally knitted. As soon as it's finished, the thread is cut by the machine and then that's created uh, around the shape of the foot and that's your upper. So the upper on the shoe is, is effectively 100% plants. So this is for us a great thing. There's no elastic material or anything in there because the knitting process creates from the structure of the knit, the various durable areas, the various ventilated areas and the various elasticated areas for as and where you need them on the shoe. So it's zoned for the various performance. And were those materials available readily on the market already? Or did you have to create any of those those fabrics yourselves? Well, there are materials available. And as with any of these things, you make contact with the supplier, you check out that they're being grown in a, in a way that is certified and managed and sustainable. So we have, for example, the, I'm trying to think which of the materials, the sugarcane, I believe, is USDA certified. So it's grown in a way where there's no extra chemicals added into the growing process. For example, various of the plants are grown with rainwater only. So there's no extra irrigation. So all these different areas where you could muddy the process early on. We've made sure that the suppliers we're using, they certify each stage of that, that we're happy that the forests are being managed sustainably, they're being grown with uh, additives and what have you that aren't adding extra chemicals in there, which aren't gonna damage the water that's flowing away from them and everything else. And then also the manufacturing plants, which then turn this into the, the visible fabrics and the visible foams that we know. They also have a, a loop where, for example, they create byproducts like from the sugarcane, there's a byproduct of ethanol is produced. So rather than just create a lot of extra chemicals from the process, the chemicals that are produced are trapped and then they become something that can be sold. It's a useful byproduct. And there's also energy produced. And one of the big key things at the beginning of the, the process of growing plants to, to make a product is that what the products, the raw products you're you're mining as effect is rather than emitting CO2 from its uh, mining process, you're capturing CO2 because it's grown. So, you know, every plant, every piece of sugarcane, eucalyptus and natural rubber, the plants that are they're providing us these materials are, as they're growing to be used by us, they're capturing CO2. So they're, they're carbon negative. And as you work through the process of the production, as you're sort of weighing up your carbon footprint of the production, you're starting at on a minus number. So it gives you the things you can't solve. So immediately we can't solve that shipping and freight and everything else. We can't guarantee, and it's not always available, that these things can be carbon negative or carbon neutral, but we can offset that against the earlier progress we've made with the plants. It's always a case of looking to make the best decisions and then looking about how that can impact the wider thing we're doing. And every time we can, you know, with with freight, with shipping, as soon as we can do better, then we will. So it's keeping our eyes and ears open the whole time to, you know, always get to this perfect place where we've got something made entirely from plants, which hasn't, which leaves no footprint on the earth. And this is the, the ultimate aim. This is such a beautiful learning process as well, because there's amazing developments right now. And then in the end, it's our Zen, what Dom just described. This is the brand and we learn and we do better and made from good decisions is for me, the best slogan, because we can't be 100% right now. It's impossible. But we can do our best. And then in the end, it's all zen, that we all do our best and for our planet and for our health. So that all comes together. And that appetite, as both you and Dominic have outlined there, Nina, from your vantage point, is that is that increasing, do you think? The running market is growing, not only already before the pandemic. So the marathons, the applications for marathons and half marathons all over the world 
are going up like more than 10% a year. And like the casual running, it's always been popular. It's, it's, it's everywhere in the countryside, in big cities, everywhere. But then you feel, oh, I can do a half marathon with my friends because you would never start it alone. And then you do it. I did my first half marathon with my friends in like a castle run that wasn't competitive at all. But then you really feel it and then you think, oh, yeah, that's good. And then you get more interested and you even change your, your diet when you start running more. But you're still a casual runner. I never, after a few half marathons, I thought, okay, I should work on my time. But <laughs> whatever. Then it doesn't matter. And, and after the run, everybody has a beer. So it's a big community thing. And the races are, are very interesting how the community works at a marathon It's a party. Even if at 30K you think, okay, it's not going to happen, another 12 more, impossible, you can because of the community. And then there's something happens with you. It's a very, very interesting feeling. It's a multi-billion market. And during COVID, because many people had time to reflect on themselves and also the only physical activity a lot of them can do who were used to a gym culture was to get outside and run. And the market went crazy. And I think very much like cycling did over the last decade, it suddenly became something where people had something to talk amongst the friends with. It was a, a point of interest that people shared. And this has just sort of continued the growth of it. Alongside that, with running crews and, and this, the sort of culture around running, which has become much more sociable than, than running has ever been, it just keeps adding to, to the market there. And sort of from our perspective and from sort of our day-to-day -day meetings and the friendships we have and, and everything else, a lot of runners are very mindful. They want their shoes, their food, their diet, everything they're doing, they want to tie into a positive forward-thinking approach to life. So to marry what we're doing, a performance running shoe at the core of what we're doing with this plant-based sustainable story is what we want and we believe what a huge number of other people are also after. And who then, from a product development point of view, did you imagine would be slipping on a pair of these shoes? Was it the casual park runner or the seasoned marathoner like, like you yourself, Nina? Who was the, the shoe targeted towards when you were creating it on the drawing board? Ultimately, we'd like the whole spectrum. We like the idea of brands like Patagonia, where you're getting the best tech, but it's very democratically given. And it's also got like just a real simple, timeless style to it. There was also in our minds that our shoe and the brand is kind of for the runner who doesn't define himself as a runner, but running is very much part of what they do. Something that really drives me is like the whole mental health issues because there's so many people who started running and just changed their lives. And you don't have to be an athlete. You can go for 10 minutes and 10 minutes every day prevents you from Alzheimer, for example. So there's such a the aspect of running for your brain and for your mind and for your mindset. I think this is something a lot of sports brands don't even talk about. And this is as important as, as a development, as a shoe development for me. And I think if you can bring this together and the awareness for that, that is no excuse that you tell people on oh, my knees. That's not good for my knees. First of all, it's not true. And maybe you run more than the stops i don't know but it's something that's very very important to me to look at this again and this aspect of running and not only on speed and time 
But that goes together with a sustainable lifestyle as well. So we, we are coming back to the whole Zen part. So it all makes sense. It's a shoe for everybody, but it's a shoe for people that don't have to define themselves a runner. It's kind of the monocle readership is a bit of a sweet spot, I think, for, for where we're at. It's people who appreciate the detail, the simplicity, the design language, the pure functionality, and the fact that there's this story behind it. This is kind of where we're at, but would never le- like to leave anybody out of out of that conversation. <laughs> and to stay with that idea, Dominic, of not wanting to leave anyone out of this conversation, as you put it there, like any new company, a brand does need to say something quite specific to the customer base it's trying to target. I wonder how you bridge both of those things, having a defined sense of who you are as a company, perhaps what your customers are are buying into or aspiring to, while also keeping that door open without having to dilute, I suppose, what you stand for in the first place. Our first offering is the shoe. So this is the hero of the product is this technical shoe with the with its unique story. And then alongside that, we've got also made from plants. Then we've got some socks, which are kind of, they're running socks, gentle running socks, or for everything else you want to do. And then we've got some organic cotton t-shirts as well, which tell the story. So it's always going to be a crossover of performance product with sort of, I don't like the word, athleisure style. So we, we always want to cross in and out of the performance and style areas, but very much rooted that at the core of it is always this this serious product. It just happens to look very stylish and is something you could you could wear on and off the runs. The technical apparel market it, on a sustainable basis was very difficult before, but now there's amazing new um, developments coming from mushrooms, from algae that wasn't there before. And was all speeded up a little bit because the demand is much higher. So we have options to produce to our standards. And meanwhile, we have some shirts and sweaters because even even after running, you want to look good or you just run some errands after it or you just like the brand and then you always look good. So moving forward, the brand will be a mix of performance products. And these performance products, you can mix them up with our, you know, if you want to wear our cotton t-shirt and a cotton sweater or a hoodie, you can. If you want to put on the performance stuff we've come and mix it in there, our performance wear then will also have a, a more sort of laid back feel to it. It won't be such tiny shorts as uh, other brands might have and, and everything else. So the, the idea is that we're, you know, we create a look which, you know, suits the brands we like and wear, and it can cross over between performance and and style the whole time, but at its core, we've got a shoe and we've got performance gear that that really does work and it works really, really well. And it just happens to be made of plants. And I wonder, is there a risk for a new brand to focus too heavily on, say, the look aspect of a brand, the world you're trying to create around the core product, particularly when you're looking at at growing a, a new brand such as yourselves? It's dangerous and we have seen it with a lot of brands that you grow too fast. So we have to grow organically and then product after product. But first of all, we need the best product. We need to produce an amazing product because you can look good, but we want to we want to look good and have a good product. And then this is what, for example, with the after run or casual sweaters happens. Not only runners can wear it. Supreme was a skate brand. So maybe no skater wears Supreme anymore, I don't know, but the dads. So um, if somebody likes it and, and spreads the word from Made From Good Decision and people talk about it, I think it's a very positive aspect. And then we have a positive message because it means everybody can do better and everything you do is a good decision. But then we have to be careful on the other hand to 
drop products that make sense and that the consumer needs and and not only wants because we want everything but we need a better approach to the planet and the good thing is with running that you need new running shoes all the time there's there's a simplicity to what we do and the, the simplicity to what we do is that like nina says the the shoe has to function it has to be a, a superlative running product and then on top of that the simplicity of it it has a, has, a, has a very clean simple aesthetic to it which people people are drawn to which we enjoy which our friends enjoy so so we sort of we we move there with everything and like a t-shirt even if a t-shirt's a cotton t-shirt that it's not primarily for running in it's still going to perform as a as a really good t-shirt because it's going to be cut well it's going to be made well it's going to have its sustainability credentials and it's just going to look really cool and you can mix that in without you can wear it after a race you can wear it with a with a Chanel suit you can do whatever you like with it and we want people to just do that take it and make their own story with it the whole time and keeping the product simple and not trying to force an extra angles or or next year's marketing idea into that each time means that we have just this honest product that will evolve as we need to evolve it and we'll have the ideas put in there that we find and discover we'll have collaborations within there with graphic artists whatever that's that starts to appear appear in the product and these kind of things will be the what drives us rather than trying to invent a story each season just because it has to be different from last season and what's really important is that we are a running brand you have to be true to yourself i mean this is what the brand we just talked about it they are doing it very well they're a very positive example we don't come up with handbags tomorrow you know we we focus on what we do and become experts or are experts in what we do and this is a credibility that's there and that we bring to the consumer and then you grow with them and you grow with the community this is how it ideally should be and always focus on your core product and that's why it's so important for us to engage with running crews with the community on locally so we have kind of our our sort of heartland starting the brand are we're based in Amsterdam where one of the partners Richard is based there he lives there for a long time Nina and I in Berlin so we know the lay of the land in Berlin so it's it's very exciting for us to to push new ideas here and then Los Angeles as well where we have a lot of connections in Los Angeles and these three cities kind of also sum up the sort of consumer or after forward thinking people like to be active like to mix style with tech with innovation they adopt ideas early and experiment they're happy to sort of jump on board a new idea and be the first to try it out so these are our sort of three key cities to start with but within those then we're engaging with running communities with friends we know friends of their friends friends of their friends so you organically start to grow this on the ground and then when this is is working and and we're happy with how it's working in the places we know then we can start to then organically spread it to to other cities as as the brand evolves and more people know about us and it's something we ask a, a lot of the entrepreneurs that we speak to here on the program but i wonder if being a smaller operation are you finding that an advantage at the moment? Are you able to do things a little more nimbly than, say, a bigger, more established manufacturer might be able to do? It very much works to our advantage that the size we are, we can make quick decisions and enact them in a, in a faster way than the normal sort of timelines that the big brands are working to. So you create a shoe, you test a shoe, develop a shoe. For a large brand, this takes, you know, this is an 18-month process or whatever, whereas we can speed that up at significantly we're not tied into the sort of so much into the the buying the buying cycle of the big brands whereas we are at the moment a in a sense a novelty 
And this is to our advantage. So we can sort of fill the gaps where the big brands can't quite do it. Or there's a sort of, I don't know, a fatigue with the big brands is another way of looking at it. If you looked at a few years ago, people would be dressed head to toe in Nike or head to toe in Adidas. Whereas now they like to mix it up with a bit of Lululemon, a bit of something they bought at Uniqlo. And for us, we're very much of that mindset as, as consumers ourselves. So, you know, we want to mix it up and customize what we're doing. We don't want to look like a, a sponsored athlete as such, as a, a kind of an old fashioned way. So we fit into this sort of, I, I guess, a new vanguard of smaller brands that are appearing at this time, sort of doing slightly different things, but complementary things at the same time. And and as you say, they, all of those can, can sort of maneuver quickly through the market and to the consumer. And I think that comes with that our shoe has no logo, for example. As we just said, we don't want to look like a sponsored athlete. The over-logoed world, I think there is a fatigue of that as well. So we just make a very good product and we just have other codes, I think, for us that work. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to, have to be a big logo. There's like, maybe I mean, we have a logo, it's, un, it's under the shoe. So if you want to see the logo... It's in the sock liner and under the shoe. So you just have to run after someone in our shoes. <laughs> and well, if you're me at least, who isn't a season runner by any uh, by any benchmark, I just guess the hope is that they're not running away too quickly <laughs> from you to be able to spot the brand on the sole of the shoe. But just finally, you are both keen and seasoned runners yourselves. It might seem like an obvious question, but knowing running as you both do. Was it crucial to imbue that in, in Zen Running Club, both into the shoes themselves, but in the way it's perceived perhaps more broadly as a brand as well? And I wonder, you know, is the key to a good, solid running shoe, is it that while you're running that you, in fact, kind of don't really think about the shoe, you focus more on the running rather than on the shoe itself? It's a very good point. It's the running you focus on, not the shoes. Is I remember as a kid, I used to go and buy the I was obsessed with, with sneakers, specifically running shoes, and I'd buy the fanciest ones with loads of bits on them. And then I realised that when I was actually training with my athletics club, my simplest, oldest, dirtiest shoes were the ones I'd always go back to because, yeah, the simplicity of them was there was nothing to think about or you just, you just thought about the running. I think ours have that effect that when you put your feet in, they are very comfortable. It's a sock-like upper. So when you put your foot into it, there's nothing you have to get used to because it just covers your foot. When you're held securely in, you lace up when you're held securely and that gives you the security that, that these work. They're very light underfoot. So when, when they're on your foot, they're not so noticeable in that sense. You look down and they, they look quite big because it has this rocker sole design, which rolls you into your next stride and offers loads of cushioning. But once, once you're up and moving in them, I think you forget they're on the, you know, right? Yeah, they're amazing. And I think it depends on, on your body as well and your feet. I have if you have big feet or if you're tall or something. But I used to run in the cheapest model of one of the big running brands for years, for ages. And it's been the best shoe for me. And they can try to sell me anything. You just have to find your product. But now our shoe is, it makes such a difference because it's so light. Now I feel like I ran in my old shoe again last week just to try it out. And I was just like, oh, that's heavy. This is so cushioned and the rocker so gives you the best effect ever. And you, I feel like my running is easier, much easier because it's light and, and, and very soft. Yeah, they are very comfy. I think if you're in a, in a running store and like you're saying, Thomas, if you're a, a first time runner or, or someone who would, who's never run before, that when you put your feet in your shoes, you don't want to have any surprises there. You don't want to have to do anything you've not done before. 
So it's this simplicity that you put your your feet in, your shoes recognize, yes, that your feet recognize, yes, these are comfortable. Yes, these roll me forward slightly. They hold me secure and they're, you know, they're snug. And this is what we try to achieve with the shoe, which I think it does it well. It's like a good mattress, I always feel. It's like a good mattress and there are not so many good mattresses out there. There's a huge difference. So our shoe is a very good mattress. And also because of the rocker sole sort of, it rolls you into your next stride rather than you have to flex your foot and, and push yourself into the next stride. So the first time you run in them is, is quite a, a strange feeling because you there is this rolling action where you, you kind of, a first time run, I think we get into it that they're being helped along. And the, and the more then, the faster you go, the more it helps you along. So there's quite a nice discovery of with this shoe, which I had myself because I was running in different shoes before, which weren't as, as stacked. The height wasn't as stacked as these. And yeah, if you can put your feet into a running shoe that feels comfortable and doesn't surprise you and makes you feel confident that they're stable and, and, and cushioned, then they, you could have some fun in them. My thanks to co-founder Dominic Sinnott and head of brand Nina Ziewitz for joining us for this week's episode of The Entrepreneurs here on Monocle 24. You can find out more and even pick up a pair of their shoes for yourself by heading to zenrunningclub.com. This programme was mixed and edited by Jack Dewars at Midori House in London. You can listen again to today's programme or delve into the archive by heading to the entrepreneurs pages at monocle.com forward slash radio. Or of course, you can head to wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have a brand new episode of The Entrepreneurs for you at the same time next week. But for now, from me, Thomas Lewis here in Toronto, goodbye and thank you very much for listening to The Entrepreneurs. Thank you.